Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello. Welcome into a Michigan basketball post-game edition podcast here on mazenbrew.com. I'm managing editor Anthony Broom here alongside Sam Dodge. And Michigan played a Friday night game on the road at Iowa. And uh, spoiler alert, it did not go well. Uh, Michigan walks out of this game losers by a score of 74 to 59. Uh, falls 20 and 2 on the year. 9 and 2 in conference play. Before I bring Sam in, I'll just run through some of the stats here. I mean, they did not shoot well. 32.3% from the floor on the night, 24.2% uh, from three-point land. That's not going to get it done. Uh, fouls, 20 fouls. Obviously, we'll talk about the officiating here in a second. But 20 fouls, John Teske fouls out. That's not good news. Um, just not not really a whole lot going for them tonight. And, and Sam, uh, before I bring in here, I guess my initial takeaway here in all of this is that I know that Michigan wasn't going to go undefeated, and we knew that as of a few weeks ago when they lost to Wisconsin. I wasn't really all that frustrated with that game because I I felt like it was coming at some point. It it was kind of inevitable. And and make no mistake about it, the sky is not falling here by any stretch of the imagination, but this one bothered me a little bit. I I don't know how you felt about it. Um, I I would say it's it's worrisome because you look at the offense right now, and this is – you know, three games out of the last five, they've scored under a point per possession. And, you know, just for anyone who follows advanced stats, anything under a point per possession is really inefficient. Um, And it's not going to get it done in Big Ten play, and especially against a really good offense like Iowa. Um, What was really troublesome tonight is that the same offensive problems, the same ability or inability to hit shots, have it against an Iowa 
defense, which has been pretty abysmal all year, you know, coming off two real bad performances against Minnesota and Michigan State. Yes, they absolutely needed this one, but you kind of figured Michigan would lose in a shootout. The fact that they lost in a kind of a defensive clunker uh, is a little disturbing for the offense. Yeah, and you look through the 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 box score here today. Ignis Brodzdakis played well. I mean, led the team in scoring. Uh, him and Jordan Poole both had 16 points. But again, uh, Iggy shoots 6 for 15. That's obviously not all that efficient. Uh, Jordan Poole, 5 for 12. A guy who, you know, 3 for 9 from three-point land. Uh, everyone talks about him as being this team's most dangerous scorer. But I feel like a scorer is a guy who just finds ways to fill that box score no matter what. Whereas Poole's kind of a guy who just, he runs hot and cold. And and right now, you know, he's had some good games. He's had some some bad games. Tonight wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but not uh, not a lead dog performance. I think that's another team thing about this team is that when I look at how and, and before I get into that point, three points from the bench, right? Like that's just not that's just not acceptable. I mean, that's that can happen. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Livers uh, was one for four from the floor. Uh, all four of those were three point attempts. Uh, I, I don't know if you shake this lineup up or anything like that. I feel like you stick with what you have, but I mean, this team was in foul trouble early on. I did not like the way that this game was called early. Uh, Michigan isn't a team that really gets a lot of call- fouls called on them. So to be in, I think at one point, four of their starters in the first half had two fouls. And that's kind of when we started to see Iowa pull away in this game a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, you really, you really look at, this is a game that shows exactly what can happen to Michigan if they struggle, you know, with fouls. And they're a top 10 team in not fouling people. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten in foul rate, uh, you know, lowest foul rate. And this is really a game where you see the depth of Michigan uh, start to start to give some problems. Um, and it wasn't just John Teske. I mean, we, a lot of people are going to talk about, you know, pulling John Teske in the first half. It led to the 20. 20- 21 to two run where Iowa really just, you know, could have put the game away right there. Um, but the other problem was uh, Isaiah livers with two fouls in the first half. And that's your really, that's your versatile small ball, big man. And with him having to sit most of the first half, you started getting a lot of Brandon Johns, a lot of Austin Davis. You, got, you even saw a little Colin Castleton, you know, the freshman right there. And he's not nearly physically ready to play, especially in conference play. Yeah. So, that that's really you know, it you don't want to go well. The officiating sucked in a fifteen point loss, um, but the fouls really exposed Michigan's lap lack of depth in the rotation. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. No disrespect to the kid at all, but like you said, anytime that anytime that Colin Castleton is out there, the game is usually blown wide open one way or another, or something disastrous has happened. Uh, when it happens in the first half. That's probably not good news for Michigan. So, um, and, and he, he'll be a he'll be a solid guy in time. But now is not that time. And this is another game where you know, yeah, people wanted their extended look at, at guys like Brandon Johns, but clearly a little bit maybe you know I mean he's zero for one, didn't really f- fill the stat sheet up outside of a foul, but um, they're just not ready there yet. I mean they're I think I'm gonna go through here and count. Uh, the bench was one for one two three four. One for twelve from the floor. Right. That's that's bad. That's really bad. So, you also saw why, uh, other thing, I'm sorry. Um, no, go ahead. You also saw why um, 
guys like David DeJulius and Colin Castleton aren't playing. Uh, they're not ready defensively, and they're not they're not rushing their rotations. There was a big three late in the first half when Michigan was kind of starting to hit a couple shots and close it to within ten. Uh, but then David DeJulius lost track of a shooter. You know, guy hit a uh, Jordan Bohannon hit a three, and it was back to forty to twenty seven. I mean, this is this is you know for people calling for you know Brandon Johns and Castleton and all these freshmen to you know play more. There's a reason they're not out there, and it's because Luke Yaklich needs more than a year to drill into these guys who are not, you know, they're they're good prospects. They're four, you know, high four, mid four star prospects, but they're not the the one and done, ready to play immediately guys. And that, I mean, that's what that the first half was just indicative, and might be the biggest data point on the year in why Michigan has to stick with its six to seven man rotation. Yeah, and I said that I think it must have been the last last week's uh, brewcast uh, with me, Luke Yardi, Chris Castellani. We were going through their schedule, and we thought it was kind of weird that they had two straight Friday night uh, road games, uh, which really they I think before then they hadn't played a Friday night game in the Big Ten since like 2002 or something like that. So uh, kind of odd in the first place. And I looked at you know people were like, oh, what's going to happen in that game at at Indiana? I was kind of more looking to this game is like, okay, you look at the schedule. I didn't really like this game coming into it. Cause you play a nine o'clock game on Tuesday against Ohio state at home. And then, yeah, you get two days off and everything, but one of those days is going to be a travel day and you're going to Iowa to play kind of a weird start time uh, in a place that has been, you know, anytime any Michigan team goes to Iowa, it seems to be a tough place to win. So, right. uh, and then you add in the fact that classes were canceled for the middle of this week due to the extreme cold and, I actually thought defensively Michigan looked like they were they were stiff like playing in the cold uh, in this game. So right. it was just kind of a, a weird game, a weird week. Uh, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape out of it. I mean, a, a few of the things that really stick out to me, and these aren't – it's not like this game taught us anything new in this regard. The offense right now doesn't have a creator. They don't have a guy who, when the chips are down, can take over a basketball game. And I think at some point they'll find that. Uh, but right now where we sit, you know, it's February now. March is only a month away. Um, I think we got five weeks of, of conference basketball left. Uh, there's time to figure this out. Uh, but, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a big fan of that. Charles Matthews overall, I mean, had a few big shots uh, in there, but he hasn't played well in, like, three weeks. And, and I'm a little concerned with that. I, like I said, at some point, and I've talked about this on our show, is that I feel like so many guys are struggling offensively right now that eventually – Water will find its level, and it, it's gonna they're going to snap out of it in a big way. But the biggest issue to me on offense is that there's too much one-on-one and hero ball stuff going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at – there was a sequence at the beginning of the second half where, uh, you know, Brasdakis has the ball. He takes it down low. And Xavier Simpson, mind you, not the most gifted shooter from the perimeter, but standing literally wide open at the top of the three-point line. Uh, mm-hmm. Never gets a look. Brasdakis drives it in there, misses a layup. Uh, stuff like that. Just the ball movement isn't quite there right now. And Beeline has talked about this uh, in a lot of post games recently to where this group is still learning how to play like a team. And like I said, I'm not really concerned about it yet because uh, there is still time here. They've got, they've got still plenty of plenty of winnable games. It's, I'm not going to panic like a lot of people on Twitter are panicking. But, sure. And uh, I think one of the reasons not to panic is, you know, Michigan had a similar game like this last year. You know, last year, obviously, they made the national championship game. But one of their big losses 
you know, at the, you know, midpoint in the year around the same time was, you know, a road trip to Nebraska, you know, kind of similar corn country type of road trip. And Michigan lost by 20 to a Nebraska team that didn't even make the tournament, Um, you know, turned around, you know, beat Rutgers, you know, in kind of a sloppy game. And then they lost, you know, lost at Purdue in that, you know, 92, 88, you know, barn burner. And then they only lost one game the rest of the way uh, until the Villanova game. So games like this have a way to kind of, you know, you work you out of your funks and show you you're not good, humble you and, you know, allow the team to progress going forward. Um, I, I wouldn't overly panic about, uh, about the team uh, unless, you know, they're running into a Rutgers team. That's a top 25 defense next Tuesday. And that if, yeah. if the offense turns around and loses at Rutgers, then, you know, it's not a sky is falling situation, but then you got to start looking at, all right, you know, is this a team of a bunch of role players, um, a bunch of guys who can kind of fill a role on an offense, or is this a team that absolutely has to have the perfect situation in foul trouble and the perfect, you know, combination of, uh, of things to happen on offense in order to win a game. And, uh, you know, the, the, how they respond against Rutgers will be really interesting to me. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like football where you know college football one loss or two losses can destroy your entire season. When when Michigan basketball loses, especially a team that you know, despite some of their flaws, I still think is one of the three or four best teams in the country, like easily. With that being said, I think the responses to losses like this are going to be what ultimately defines them. And you know, you lose a couple weeks ago, you lose a game to Wisconsin, you come back. Kind of struggle with Minnesota. It takes a buzzer beater to beat them. But then how do you get come back from that? You blow out Indiana on the road. So, um, like I said, I, it, it's going to take some time. Um, you know, like you said, a team – right now it is it – is a, it's a team full of guys, uh, of talented guys right now. They haven't quite gelled into that, you know, dangerous uh, infinity gauntlet of a basketball team. <laughs> Uh, like yet, <laughs> for lack of a better, and I, and I did write about that. Like I think a couple weeks ago, I said that they had, they have the pieces are there. Um, well, it's a six man rotation, yeah, and there's six Infinity Stones. So I mean that that all. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there you go. I like it. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, it's to me. I'm not. I only. I don't in college basketball. I don't freak out about one loss. I mean, I, like I said, all I'm ever really interested in is. is what happens next? How do you respond to it? What do we see next? Are we going to see a fired up team on Tuesday? Are we going to see a team that kind of comes out and struggles? Um, I do think now that it's going to be kind of a long weekend because now, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday you're at Rutgers. Like we'll see what happens when they, well, they watch the film. I'm sure they'll practice a few times between now and then. Um, like I said, I think the thing about these two losses too, is that both teams that they lost to Wisconsin and now Iowa, um, Shout out Big Ten West, by the way, uh, for football. But right. um, both of these two teams absolutely needed those wins to keep their seasons alive, really. I mean, Iowa uh, – I think Iowa was probably on a little bit more firmer footing than Wisconsin was a few weeks ago. But um, you would think that after a win like that, Iowa will be a tournament team. So not going to sit here and say that you know they wanted it more, but um, those are two – Pretty pretty good basketball teams that in a conference where you go on the road and 
every game's a dogfight. So, um, yeah, do you think? Other than that, I mean, do you, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, do you think that part of the reason why there's such a freak out right now from a lot on social media, and you, you know, you get sucked into social media, um, and it's probably you know saying you know exaggerating you know the actual you know pulse of the fan base. But do you think why people are freaking out is the expectations are so high on this team because they started so hot and they blew out so many teams and they, they went to a tough environment in Villanova and won by 27. So it wasn't like the, the expectation that they could succeed on the road was even there. Do you think it's almost like expectations are too high and then this team has been kind of the salve for the end of the bad football season or the bad end of the football season as well? I don't know if expectations are too high because, I mean, like you said, you are coming off. You've been in two national title games in the last five years. Um, you know, you're coming up. This is still only their third their third loss in a calendar year, which is insane. So, I don't think expectations are too high. I, I do. I think that they've got, they have to find their way back to what they were at Villanova and at home against North Carolina. I mean, those that Michigan team was rolling, and I'm not going to say that they were peaking too early, but um, it seem it sort of seems to me that they've had a hard time getting their mojo back after you know you had there was that stretch in December where I think you did three straight games and they were like eight days or seven days apart each time and those were like the only three or four games they played like in right. that amount of time so I feel like at some point the lack of basketball sort of helped them sort of hurt their mojo and and they're still trying to get that back. Uh, I, I think that at some point they, I I think at some point they will. I mean, I'm not, I'm not pushing the panic button at all, and I don't think that the toxicity around uh, the fan base and football is really bleeding into that. Because I'll be honest, a lot of those, a lot of the football fans that, the crossover fans, so to speak, that are the freak out of the freak out variety, are the ones that they come out during the losses and then they come out during the wins in March and sometimes April. So sure. I'm not all that concerned about that at all. Um, I think, I think that they'll be, I think that they'll be okay because I think this is John Beeline's most talented uh, team, but I, I just think that it, it's going to still take some time here. Uh, it's a, it's a process right now. I mean, I'd rather work the kinks out now and you know, on February 1st than on April 1st. So exactly. Uh, and, and I'll say this, I think at the end of the day, um, Despite all of that, despite how bad of a performance it was, because make no mistake about it, it was a stinker, but they were within five points of Iowa, like semi late. Exactly what I was going to say. So, and the problem with that was they got there and they got excited because there were a few ill advised shots that led to uh, Luca Garza getting a few, I think he hit a three and hit a couple layups, and it was right back up to 12 again, and they never got any closer than that. So, um, I think it's just all about getting their mojo back. You know, I I hate to say a loss is a good good news for a team, but hopefully this is something that can refocus them and they're able to put it together here. Because like I said, these last four or five weeks of conference play, it's going to be a dogfight. Um, you know, if you want to stay on that one two seed line, then you've got to kind of figure figure your your stuff out. So well, it, uh, it's essential. It's essential that they figure their 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 stuff out over the next few weeks. Cause I mean, you got a top 10 Ken Palm team in Wisconsin coming next weekend. Uh, then you got Maryland, you know, who's a top 19th team in Ken Palm coming to Chrysler center a weekend after that Michigan state comes to town a weekend after that. 
Uh, and then you finish with uh, Nebraska, Maryland, and Michigan State. The first part of the yeah. Big Ten schedule was relatively easy. Um, yeah, outside it's kind of, these of a brutal stretch. I mean, and, yeah. You, you go to Penn State, and I, I know Penn State isn't good at all, but anytime you got to go on the road, it's it can be a doozy. Maryland, I mean, you have to go to Minnesota, who obviously they gave Michigan a pretty good game. Um, but what's up next for them? Uh, they're going to go play at Rutgers on Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Um, like you said, Rutgers is, you know, Rutgers is not football Rutgers. I mean, they're not, they're not amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but they are good defensively, and uh, I think there's a good chance this winds up being another rock fight for them. So uh, you've got, like you said, Michigan at Rutgers on Tuesday. A week from Saturday, uh, they will take on Wisconsin at home in a rematch. Uh, right now, Wisconsin is the 24th ranked team in the country. And then you've got, you know, still kind of circle of February 24th and, and March 9th, um, Michigan, Michigan State. They'll play twice this year. So that's kind of the bar. I still kind of feel like it's Michigan, Michigan State, and everybody else right now. Uh, but right now, I mean, I think that uh, the Spartans are playing a little bit better basketball right now. So uh, we'll see what happens between now and then. Uh, I've got you know, just over three weeks until those two teams uh, meet up here. So, um, and I'll say this, a couple final points about this game in Iowa. Um, actually, one final point. Despite, you know, if there's any, I don't, I can't say this is a silver lining to take out of it, but I will say that there's something to be said about where the state of a program is where a team beating you is court storm worthy. Um, you know, who would have thought 10 years ago or hell, even maybe five or six years ago that teams would be storming the court after they beat Michigan. So, um, you're, you're still, you're in a, you are in the land of the elite right now. I'm not panicking just yet. We know what the flaws are, but like I said, um, I think that a lot of the problems that they're having right now are things that, um, it's kind of, if you were to inverse the, these last, four or five weeks of basketball uh, or really going back to December with the first four or five weeks of basketball, I think people would be pretty happy and pretty like ex- it, the results would be expected. Uh, but I think it's just going to be a process to kind of get back to what we saw, you know, with those wins over North Carolina, Villanova and things like that. So um, not, not yeah. discouraged at all. It was a bummer. It was hard to watch, but uh, the sun will shine at Super Bowl weekend. There's a lot of good stuff going on. So, uh, won't dwell too much well, the, on this the sun one, literally won't be shining because it's in Michigan and no one can see the well, sun. It's the Midwest. Well, yeah, it's going to go up. To, uh, you know, coldest, literally the cold, quite, quite literally the coldest week of my life here in the state of Michigan. And then, like starting Saturday and into next week, it's going to be like in the 40s and 50s. So yeah, you know, it's bad like, literally when in terms like polar vortex. Yeah, sci-fi terms. Anyway, I know it's some it's some doomsday stuff. Let me tell you, like people had to lower the thermostats down to, you know, lower the thermostat a couple of degrees. And I thought that people were going to start breaking out the the torches and pitchforks out here. So uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think that we pretty much covered it here. I don't think that there's that much more to say on this game. Uh, Sam, before we get out of here, why don't you let the people know where they can find you on social media? You can find me on social media at Sam Gododge on Twitter. And uh, I write, you know, plenty of articles. You can follow my stuff on mazenbrew.com. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the website at Mason Brew. 
for audio content like this. We're going to try to start doing more of these little post-game uh, podcasts. Quick little palate cleanser uh, coming out of a, well, a loss tonight, but hopefully many more wins to come. Um, you can follow this uh, on iTunes, Google Play Store, under Maze and Brew Podcast. We're also on SoundCloud, Spotify. You can listen to our stuff right in uh, right on the website. We have it posted. Uh, so we're going to start doing more of these. We've got the Brewcast uh, show that I host. We just started a new podcast uh, with a couple of female students, uh, Harley Johnson and Hannah Harshi, uh, views from Stadium Boulevard. Just got that rolling. So hopefully you'll uh, give us a shout with all that. And again, give us feedback too. So uh, for Sam. Listen to it. It's great. Yeah, they do. Everyone's everyone's been killing it right now. I'm very happy with how everything's going. Uh, Brewcast took a break this week, but um, we'll we'll definitely be back with some things to say. Probably just me restating what you've heard here, but I'll, you know, I'll have some time to marinate. But uh, well, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, appreciate you listening uh, on a Friday night. Go out, uh, be safe this weekend. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy all that, and uh, talk again soon.